I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Vulnerability Podcast. I'm Marissa Donnelly, and today I have Jennifer Wildeson with me. She is the founder of the Dyslexia Center of St. Augustine, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show just because I have a son who also has dyslexia. And so when I found out about her mission and her business, I was just so thrilled to kind of touch base with her, talk about her experience. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I wanted to start off by just bringing our audience into kind of our sphere of understanding and craziness around dyslexia. Can you tell my audience a little bit about how you started your business and what it's about? Sure. So uh, my son, Cole, who's uh, nine years old, he was diagnosed with dyslexia last uh, summer. And dyslexia affects one in every five people. It is a genetic um, so more than likely, if um, you know the mother or the father have uh, dyslexia, it will be passed on to the child, and that's a a huge amount of our population um, that is either going undiagnosed or not getting the resources that they need. Um, the information comes into the brain and it's just processed differently. Um, but they are great problem solvers. They're out of the box thinkers. They're creative in um, just the ways that they come up with solution and ideas. Um, so my mission kind of started last year. Um, it took a very long time to get the diagnosis. Um, and then once I did, it was a relief um, until I found out that there was just nothing out there. Um, and I literally had many road trips last, um, last year, just getting in the car and just driving around uh, the state of Florida to different schools and options and realizing the resources just were not there. Mm-hmm. Um, I attended as a parent um, Orton-Gillingham uh, training program last October and um, just realized how there was such a need for teachers to be trained in that format. And um, just a real eye-opener that it just wasn't in the state of Florida, that it was every state that this is an epidemic. And there is a handful of schools out there, um, but there are 40 to 50,000 a year. And the average parent just cannot get up, relocate, and pay that type of money. Um, so, you know, it, it just kind of brought me to my knees and said, you know, there's got to be something else. Yeah. This doesn't seem right. Um, so we had, um, so this is how it kind of got started for me to just do something was, um, it all really just started with chickens. Um, my son, uh, last spring, this time last year, um, you know, fell in love with these little chicks in the tractor supply store. And, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, whatever it's, you know, let's see how long this lasts, like a you know, dog or cat, are they going to really take care of it? And, um, he just has taken care of these chicks from day one. Um, we have eight of them and, um, we, we did move, uh, to St. Augustine beach. I didn't realize it at the time, but you just had to have a variance for it. So, um, last November we were just doing the right thing, going for the variance. 
their uh, his uh, emotional support animals. Um, he has a lot longer history. I adopted him when he's three months old. But um, these chickens, he wakes up at the crack of dawn. He goes out in his pajamas, lets them out of the chicken coop, feeds them, waters them, takes care of them, and does everything. And trust me, as a mom, I've been like, just like, really? I didn't think we were going to keep chickens that long. And they have just become like, you know, it's, they're his chickens. He's got everyone named. So anyway, we went for the variants last November and um, everything was fine. All our neighbors surrounding us were fine. Um, but we had one neighbor down the road um, that didn't agree with the variants. So um, she took us back to City Hall in uh, February, just a couple months ago. And at the time, um, I had been driving five hours a day to get my son to a dyslexia school in Jacksonville. And it's just been a whirlwind. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. thinking, are you kidding me? I got to go back to City Hall over chickens. Nobody has a problem with them. Um, you know, everybody's in support of us. Um, and, and, you know, I'm driving five hours a day. Like, let's talk yeah. about something real. Let's care about something real than something that's actually beneficial. And, you know, it, it's been helping my son and, and it's so good for him. And it, it's, it's teaching him, you know, responsibility in every way as well. So it was just really frustrating. Um, so about a week before the, um, the hearing, uh, the local newspaper reached out and asked to do a story on uh, the chickens and my son. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, it ended up, you know, uh, that Sunday it was on the front page of the newspaper. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> there's got to be more things to talk about. But, um, and then the next day was Monday. I drove my son to school. You know, I'd just been in the car for two and a half hours to get home and find news reporters um, literally at my front door asking to do interviews for, with my son and the chickens. And I was just so overwhelmed, you know, as a mom, you just want to protect your, your child. And mm -hmm. I, I just didn't know, you know, what was really going to come out of this. Um, so it was a whirlwind of a day. Um, they ended up uh, waiting till my son got home and did interviews. And uh, six o'clock that evening, we pulled up at City Hall. Um, and I just had strangers there supporting us. I mean, getting up and speaking for us. And it was just it was humbling and amazing um, that so many people just support it, you know, um, my son and just these chickens and it's kind of crazy. Um, but at the same time, I'm going, okay, like, gosh, I'm driving five hours a day. My yeah. son has resources. He needs so much more. And like, let's talk about something real. <laughs> so yeah. the next uh, morning I went into my office and a, a, a dear friend of mine said, you know, I said, you know, it's just, um, he's like, this is crazy. And I'm like, I know, but like, I, you know, there's, there's, this is more than just chicken. Like, like, let, let's talk about it. And mm -hmm. he said, you know what? You're a mom with a passion. Make it happen. Open up a school, open up a tutoring center, whatever you see. He's like, I'll support you. And, you know, we'll rally around you and, and you know, try to make this happen, but it's going to start with you. And I just, from that moment on, I was like, I felt that God just kind of put me in that driver's seat and I'm going, okay, God, <laughs> like, what is this? I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, 
but you've obviously put me in this driver's seat. You've given me, um, you know, this, you just kind of put me in the spotlight over chickens, but it was beyond chickens. And, you know, like, okay, I, I felt like I was meant to do this. And I'm like, okay, God, just take the wheel and, and show me. Um, so it's, it's been a, a slow process because, you know, you, you just, there's so much paperwork to do and, you know, mm -hmm. there's so much. Right now, I really should be more in the fundraising process of, you know, raising the money um, to hopefully get it, uh, the tutoring center up and running for August when schools start here, but with, you know, the, the virus out there, that's kind of delayed a lot of things, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going with it. I, there's such a need here as there isn't really all over the United States. And, um, I just want to make a difference. I want to, I want to do this for my son, but I want to do this for so many other families, so many families that have the same story, you know, and, you know, it took me so long to get his diagnosis because I wasn't told where to go. I literally, my son was um, behind one year and the private school he was in, the teacher um, knew that there was something not right, but she didn't know. And it's not her fault. She just didn't have the training. And um, she thought it was his eyes. Um, he wore glasses and she kept on saying, get his eyes tested. I think it has to do with his eyes. He's because when she tested him verbally, he knew the information, mm -hmm. but when it came down to writing it, he did not as many dyslexics. Um, so I took him to the eye doctor and the eye doctor said, Nope, it's 2020 with his, his glasses. And, um, he, uh, and I literally, literally broke down in that, that, um, but had my son step out and I said to the doctor, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. If it's not his eyes, you need to send me to the right doctor. Nobody is sending me anywhere. They're all, I, at the time I was paying for two tutors a week. I was spending money that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. Um, and nothing was helping for the school to say, well, if he stays, we're going to have to keep him back another second year that just wasn't acceptable to me. Um, and I knew he was brilliant. Um, you know, this is a kid like many dyslexics who could build anything and just has such creative imagination. Um, and I literally broke down and the doctor just kind of stared at me and it was like a light bulb went on and he said, I know where to send you. Um, so the center, uh, this is, Dyslexia Center of St. Augustine. Um, I want to also just be a resource to parents, parents that are going, I feel my child has dyslexia or something. I just don't know where to go and get the, you know, the proper resources for their child. And, and, you know, these, a lot of these children go to through public school and they may only get about 30 minutes of help a day. Well, that's nothing. I mean, they're walking yeah. through um, the day just their self-esteem is going down because they're not understanding why, you know, they can't learn like everybody else. Um, they're just 80% of dyslexics end up in the prison system. So heartbreaking. They're, it is. And it's like that statistics just shouldn't happen. These are brilliant minds mm -hmm. and minds that are going to change the world. Uh, NASA hires uh, a lot of dyslexics because they're out of the box thinkers. They're the ones putting things, you know, in space. Um, and these kids are being told either they're lazy or they're not trying hard enough. You know, most of them go through life not getting a diagnosis. 
and um, that's going to change. But I want the center to be a place where these kids could come in after a long, draining day and be told how brilliant they are, how wonderful they are, you know, that they're going to change the world. I want to uplift them and I want to be able to give them the resources. Um, so that's, that's kind of, but it all started with chickens. <laughs> I, yeah, there's, that's such a funny beginning to the story just to hear how it kind of all evolved. But I think I want to speak to the chickens for a second because it's, I feel like most things in life, it always starts in a weird place. You know, you never kind of know the direction of where you're going, but something kind of shifts and it's amazing what can open the door. And for you and your family, like what an, what a fun and interesting experience, but how cool is that that you found something that worked and even they had to go through all these obstacles that, you know, as a parent, you realize this is what my child needs and I'm going to fight for that. I can totally relate, not to the chickens, but to that idea of I found something that works and I'm going to fight for it to the death because I know it works. And then slowly you start to build that support around you, which means everything. Yes. Yes. How funny that it all started that way though. It did. It's, it's a great story. And um, I told my son that once we get this uh, center up, um, we're, we're going to post the, all the newspapers and the articles and things like that. And we're just going to have a story, uh, kind of wall and talk about how it all started with chickens. And, um, I think it's good too, because ever since he got that diagnosis, I told him to wear it like a proud badge, you know, that that's something yeah. special because, you know, right away they're like, well, what's wrong with me? Is this bad? Is, you know, and it's like, no, you know, it, and it only becomes a disability when children don't receive the proper resources. Um, that is yeah. when it becomes a disability, but um, it's hard out there for parents. It's so hard as, as I'm sure you've been, you know, you've started something as well, correct? Yeah, I um, kind of unrelated, but then it, it started to become a resource because I, I started a, a writing, coaching, tutoring, editing business because I'm both in the writing world and the teaching world. And when I met my boyfriend and his son and realized it was kind of a similar situation to your son and the fact that he was just behind, um, my boyfriend's son is, was significantly behind. I'm probably five years behind. And it was just a combination of not having the right resources, no diagnosis, and just family not knowing what was going on and, and just frustrations with not being clued into where he was or what he needed. So when I kind of came into the picture as a teacher, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> we have work to do. Um, and so it started with my business that originally was more of kind of working with, um, it was, it was working with students of all ages, but I primarily did a lot, a lot of writing coaching for um, people that were working on books and things like that. It started to slowly evolve into, okay, I want to help other students that are dyslexic. I want to help other students with English. I want to help. My background is in um, English language arts and reading. And so I was like, okay, how can I help people understand the importance of reading and English and, you know, helping kids early on so that we don't have, you know, by the time they're 10, just figuring out that they're struggling with this. So yeah, that, that's kind of what happened for me too. And it's just, you kind of get a fire lit underneath you because you realize that it's not that people don't care, but it's just, there's so much that people don't know. Right. And so how do you figure out I, at the time when I first met Austin is his name. Um, I didn't even realize, you know, what was going on. It was kind of like, okay, 
where, where, where is this coming from? They had misdiagnosed, um, the previous IEP teams have kind of misdiagnosed as attention issues. And I met him and I was like, I don't, I don't think this is right. I mean, every, you know, nine, 10, 11 year old has, you know, uh, especially boys, you know, they have their little, you know, moments of not being able to focus or being goofy or being silly distractibility. But I was like, I don't, I don't think, that this is an attention issue. I can sit with him. We can work together. We can work on a puzzle for an hour. You know, we can color or draw. Like to me, it was just like, there's something not right here because if a a typical child that exhibits ADHD or ADD, you know, they're, they're a lot more energetic. They're moving. They can't focus. Right. So that's what started for me is, you know, maybe, maybe people just don't know. Yeah, they don't. And, and that's the sad part, you know, um, as teachers, they go through the whole, you know, education process, they have their degree, but nowhere in that program are they taught the science to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you are, it's, it's not in depth enough. And then unfortunately, in the classroom setting, when you have so many students, even in the private, um, private schools, it's different, of course, because sometimes the class sizes are different. But especially in the public school, it's like you have so many kids that you can't give that attention to that child. And so parents are like, okay, what do we do? I have to pay for tutoring that I can't afford. I have to, you know, fight for, you know, the things that my child needs. I have to figure out what's going on. So it's a lot of, it's a lot on the parents, but I think it's the passion behind, you know, I want to help my child. How do I figure this out? That makes progress. So I'm just really excited to hear your story and how you're making that change for good, not only for your son, but just for so many people and so many parents that just have questions and no answers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping this dyslexia center, which is, I, I expect it to be really big um, considering that there's one of, you know, every five, in the population, um, there's just nothing in St. Augustine. Uh, the fact that I have to drive five hours a day to oh Jacksonville has just been, you know, crazy. Um, and then going south for me is Palm Coast, and there's no, there's nothing I think until you hit like Orlando. Um, but you know, this is obviously not just here; it's it's in every state, mm-hmm. um, and there's such a need, and it's. Um, I, people like us that are just trying to, to make a difference because I mean, it's like that whole saying, you know, children need a village you know? yes, and, yes. And, and we do, we need to all come together and, and just really try to make a difference. But I do believe that this like dyslexia center, um, is going to grow actually probably too rapidly, <laughs> but, um, but I, I just want it to be a place where, um, kids could come and get the support and have the, you know, the teachers trained in Orton Gillingham. Um, but I also want to, um, just emphasize on their talents. Um, they, they tend to be, um, you know, entrepreneurs and scientists and engineers and architects, and a lot of them are gifted in the arts. So I also want to, be able to provide maybe classes at the end of the day. Um, I, I, my dream would be to have this robotics room where um, there was a school that I visited up in Pennsylvania and um, for the dyslexia and they had this huge robotics room and my oh, son's so eyes just lit up 
I mean, the idea of just be able to create and do, and I, so I have this vision that I would like, I don't know how it's going to happen. Obviously, like, you know, there's got to be a lot of like fundraising for the nonprofit, but I just have this idea of like having this huge robotics room where these kids could come and just invent and having, you know, classes around, you know, being an entrepreneur and um, just, I would love even just to have somebody, you know, to bring a car, to have, a, you know, the space mm -hmm. where there could be a car or two out front and somebody allow and teach these kids like how to just, not that they're going to be mechanics or anything, but just be able to take something apart and then rebuild it. You know, that that's what these kids do the best. Um, and it's only going to lead to bigger things in the future as an adult and what they can be doing, um, you know, for the environment, for just creating and inventing things. Um, so I hope that mm -hmm. after a, a child it's like, you know, spending all day in the public school system where they're just tired, worn out, self-esteem is down, that they could come and be created, be told that they're beautiful, they're brilliant that they have great minds and a place that they just can excel in and 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 see their gifts so Absolutely. that that's the plan and now Cole's nine he'll be uh, 10 in June but even just with this I, I told him I said you know Cole I said you're going to be the face of the center I mean it's funny how it all started with chicken yeah. but <laughs> I said you know I, I want you to like I'm trying to teach him like okay when things open like what ideas we can do for like fundraising for the nonprofit and all these things but you know that's basically I'm kind of teaching him too like how mm -hmm. to or yeah and you yeah. know maybe one day he'll have a business and you know this whole center and how it's all coming together and you know everything because he's going to be there every step of the way um mm -hmm. with me building it and and being a part of it being the face of it so I'm excited I, I so believe I, I believe that things have just um just kind of happened. I, I sat down with the head of his current school um, in Jacksonville and I asked her to just, you know, partner with me. Um, and she knows the need. She's like, yeah, there's just, there's just not enough out there. And um, the funny thing is, is they're having a 40th, um, that school is their like 40th birthday party in November. And Tim Tebow is coming. Um, to you know yeah to speak for that school because he had dyslexia and um so she said you know we could probably talk about our partnership then and I'm thinking wow this is this was meant to be you know it's happening like, yeah it's all yeah, coming together like, it's just you know it's kind of like this scary ride because I'm like I, like I said before I'm kind of like okay god I really you know, you just put me in this role, but, you know, just take the wheel and it, it has, you know, people have reached out to me that live locally and said, how can I help, you know, or how can I support you? And, you know, um, just kind of helping me just even get the website up and running and things like that. It, like I said, it's been a slow process, but it's okay. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's going to happen. It's just, um, it's just been, you know, one step at a time, trying to figure it all out. But the difference it's going to make in these children's lives and these families' lives, um, I, I just, it, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm so excited just hearing you talk about it because I feel like you point out all of the positive things around dyslexia. And I, I kind of wanted to speak to that for a second because when I was learning about, you know, what was going on with Austin, there's just so much 
scary, just so many scary things, so much scary information where people, you know, they say, oh, it's a severe learning disability and it impacts the classroom. And there's all this, all this word choice that is so heavy. Um, and just to hear you talk from a place of, you know, these kids are entrepreneurs, you know, they have the ability to break things down. They're creative thinkers, they're problem solvers, they're, you know, mechanical. And I, I see all of that in Austin and, and his father too, because he's also dyslexic. It's like, I can give them a instruction manual and they can figure anything out. I can be like, Hey, this is broken. And they'll sit there and take it apart and put it back together and be like, Oh, here it is. And I'm like, mind blown. I'm like, I can't, I don't have the patience for that. So it's just so great to, to hear the positives. I'm, I'm reading this book called the dyslexic advantage. Um, and it's so wonderful. The whole book just spins the whole idea of this is a learning disability on its head and says, no, actually, how we look at it can change the way that the people who have it feel because it's all about understanding the advantages of how your mind works. And rather than seeing how it inhibits the classroom, it's like, well, what can these students offer? And to hear that your whole center is going to be built on that idea of come in, feel like you belong, feel like you are empowered and we're praising how you learn. I mean, that is going to make such a huge difference in the lives of these kids and of their families. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not a disadvantage. It's everybody Mm -hmm. learns differently. This just has a label. And if we can understand that label and figure out what works for these individuals, it's not a disadvantage. It's just how they learn. No. Or the, these are the kids that are going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell my son that all the, all the time. I said, you, I, I know God has a plan for you and you're going to make such a difference in this world. You know, I'm not sure what it is yet. And, you know, but just know that you have a special brain and it's, you're going to make a difference. Um, yeah. It's just, it's amazing. And it's funny because um, so for the logo of the Dyslexia Center of St. Augustine, of course, we had to do a chicken. I was going to say, it has to be a chicken, please. <laughs> so somebody designed a, a, a chicken and around it, it says, dyslexia is my superpower. I love uh, it. So I just love it because, you know, I, I, I've been telling them, like, it's your superpower. Nobody else is going to think like you, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you got that edge. I mean, so, and it's amazing how many people in history have it. I mean, I love Richard Branson. Um, I'm sure you probably read all about him, but Mm -hmm. just his story alone, if my son ever, uh, it doesn't happen often, but once in a while, you know, if he tries to use it as an excuse or anything like that, but Richard Branson's story is, um, because he grew up in the UK and um, he's a billionaire. And that's another statistic that 40% of dyslexics are million billionaires. I mean, that's How crazy is that. Yeah. <laughs> that is. And I'm like, that's awesome. But, um, he grew up in the UK and obviously didn't know he had dyslexia, went to a, a private, um, school. And, um, he talks about the headmaster taking him in his office every morning and beating him and telling him he's lazy and he's not trying enough. And I tell my son that story because I want him to be empowered that if that man was put down that much and, and, you know, told that he wasn't, he was, wasn't trying, he was lazy and, you know, the headmaster abused him in that way, but yet 
he's a billionaire today, putting things into outer space, uh, you know, airplanes, mm -hmm. cruises, everything. Um, hey, you, you have no excuse. <laughs> you, have no, you have a mother cheering you on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, so there's no self-pity here. You know, is, is things going to maybe take you a bit longer? Absolutely. Um, is it maybe going to be harder? Of course. But there's no, there's no self-pity of laying down and feeling sorry for yourself. You wear it proudly and, and it's a gift. It's mm -hmm. a gift. It's a gift. I love that perspective. You know, you said it earlier and the comment about it takes a village and yeah. it's just really wonderful to hear your story and to know that there are people listening who either experience this personally or have loved ones that are struggling with dyslexia. And just to know that we have a village, you know, we are living in two opposite corners of the United States right now, mm -hmm. recording this podcast. And it just, it's such a reminder to me that you know we're not alone in this and that the more we can share information and build these resources and connect with one another and just remind one another that we're not alone we can help these students and, and just people in general understand that you're right it's a gift and we're not alone in this so i just i just want to thank you so much for sharing your story for telling us about the chickens and just your struggles and and getting to where you are i just wish you all the best at the center and and hope that we can stay in touch and and see it thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Marissa, for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm here for you as well. Reach out to me anytime. Yes, takes a village. <laughs> yes, it does. It does.